0: first day of the new year won't happen again for 11 more years and you know what we got a blank slate in front of us right hasn't happened yet 2022 is gone but now we have a new year in which we can expect God to do great things I know I don't know about you but I want kind of a fresh anointing right you can't live on yesterday's anointing you can't live on last year's anointing I want a fresh fresh revival a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit the Bible says to keep on being filled. It's not just a one-time thing. It's a keep on being filled. Now, we're fasting, so we're going we're to notice the meals that we don't eat. And come around 2 o'clock in the afternoon when your stomach is eating itself from the inside because you're hungry, you realize that you don't eat one meal a day or one meal a week. You don't get one time that god anoints you and blesses you your meal should be every day every day you want the anointing you want the filling of the holy spirit that should be every day not just on sunday morning it should be every day the anointings and revivals are new we want them new but our purpose for all those things stays the same why do we want that stuff it's because we that's why we exist as a church right why do we exist? We want the Holy Spirit to work. We want the anointing. We want God to move. That's why we exist as a church. Now, tonight, we start our week of prayer, and y'all have the, the Assembly of God insert, right? And it kind of gives you the theme. Now, we're going to follow those themes to a point, but we're going to focus more on what God is doing and is, has done and will do in the future with our church. Now, we have some issues before us that we need to start trusting God for, now, before we get into that, I'm going to focus today on what, why we're here. If I were to ask you to tell me what the vision is for this church, does anybody know? Dun, 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 dun. What's our purpose? Why are we here? Every church has a vision, and they're all similar. Well, there's, there's three phrases, and I believe it's on every, every bulletin every week. Connecting to God, building people, offering hope. Simple, right? Now, I was writing this, and I said, you know, people are going to say, well, I've heard this before. Another sermon on vision. Uh, boring. Boring. But how often do you see the same parable repeated in the Gospels? Why repeat it, isn't one time enough? Well I think Jesus repeats it because he wants us to continue to keep hearing it. Now, how many of you have seen a McDonald's commercial? How many have seen just one McDonald's commercial? Or do you see it all the time? I mean if you watch football I bet you they have one or two beer commercials on that football have you seen only one one adds enough right if you see it one time that should be enough right no Nope. you got to keep repeating it to get it in your mind how many of how many have ever heard of oriental trading Now we use it, it, they sell, it's like a five below that they mail to you. It's a bunch of trinkets and stuff that you can order from them. They got a thousand different things. Well, let me tell you, if you order one thing from them, one time, you will get magazines until you die. Every other week, you will get a catalog of stuff that they have, and they have different, and we get them all the time, all the time. But you know what? When we gotta buy stuff, guess who I'm thinking about? Oriental trading, right? How many of you have children, you, ask, you had kids for Christmas and they, you asked them what they want for Christmas? And they keep telling you what they want over and over and over again. Now, Nora wanted an iPad <laughs> and HUD wanted a virtual reality thing. You know, there are hundreds of dollars. And we said, no, you know, what else do you want? We're not getting you that, what else do you want? And every time we'd ask them, they'd say, iPad VR iPad say well you're gonna get nothing unless you tell us something different but they kept telling us and telling us they want the same thing why because they want us to understand that that's really what they want Zig Ziglar how many have ever heard that name it's a older name he says repetition is the mother of learning the father of action which makes it the architect of accomplishment that means if we want to accomplish God's will we need to keep hearing what that is and why we're here. Because a vision just isn't a sentence. It's our reason for being. And the reason for being is to connect people to God, to build people up in the faith, and to offer people hope. Now, what do these phrases mean? They're kind of catchy, they're short. You know, when you make a vision statement, you don't want to be three sentences long. You want it to be nice and short so people can remember it. But each one of these phrases represents a mandate that God has given to every Bible-based church. And guess what? We're a Bible-based church, so that's our mandate. So we're gonna look at each of these phrases and see what God says about that. The first one is connecting to God. Our mission, every church's mission, should be to connect people to God, right? People who don't know God, we need to introduce them to Jesus. People who don't know much about God we need to introduce them to Jesus. People who knew God and walked away, we need to introduce them back to Jesus. If a person doesn't know Jesus, our job, not as a corporate body, but as individuals, should be to introduce them to the Jesus that we know. Now, another good example of repetition is Paul. In Acts, you hear about Saul's conversion in chapter 9. But then he goes on to repeat it a couple of more times in the book of acts why does he do that because we need to understand his testimony now each account that he gives is a little bit different from the other ones but paul is using his experience on three different occasions to minister to the people he's with it's his testimony and what's about what do we say about our testimony we all have one everybody's got a testimony Whether your testimony is you were delivered out of drugs and alcohol and now you're saved, that's an awesome testimony. But maybe your testimony is you never got into that stuff to begin with. That you've been saved since you were five and you lived your life for God and now you're 30 or 40 years old. That's a testimony. And people need to hear what God is doing in you. They may not even know this book, believe it, or read it. But when you tell them what God did for you, it's powerful. It's powerful. People understand it, and they believe. If they, if they like you and know you, they believe it. You don't have to be Paul or a preacher or a theologian to simply tell what Jesus has done for you. There's an old song. Um, Don Francisco wrote a song, I Gotta Tell Somebody. And uh, he goes on talking about, he, he uses the story where the, the daughter was healed and raised her up, you know. And, and Jesus says, now don't tell anybody. And his song goes, I gotta tell somebody. I gotta tell, I gotta tell somebody what God did for me. That's how our attitude should be. I mean, I, I can't hold it in. I gotta tell somebody what Jesus did for me. And if we take time to be sensitive to the spirit, God is gonna give you that opportunity. That's what we're praying for this year. One of the things we're praying for, that we are all each sensitive to the spirit of God, not just here. We want it here, but not just here. We wanna be able to be out at the grocery store Feel the spirit of God saying, okay, talk to this person. Be sensitive to that. Be open to that. As a church, our responsibility is to facilitate each person here to connect with God. And that means whatever we teach on Sunday, whatever we teach on Wednesday, is to develop an atmosphere, an opportunity for everyone who walks in the door to meet Jesus and to have an intimate relationship with the God that we have. Our worship, for example, is to allowed to design is designed to allow us to express in song what we may not be able to express in words And we're talking or praying. We, know we talked about tongues Really, When you pray in tongues, the Holy Spirit's praying through you that you don't know what they're praying, but they're praying something that you need to pray. And when someone sings a song and the lyrics strike you and you think, man, that's exactly what I'm thinking. That's how I'm feeling right now. How many have favorite songs? whether they're Christian or not, that just, man, they just ring a chord every time you hear them. I came across an older one yesterday. I I got the lyrics for it. It's a Stephen Curtis Chapman song. It's from way back in the early 90s, so if you're not that old, then you don't know the song, but the song is called That's Paradise. Let me read the lyrics to you. Every time I hear it, man, I I can't get, it, it chokes me up. I hope I can make it through. It says, Jimmy and Mary were quite a pair back in their younger days. They met and married in six weeks' time. And that was 60 years ago, this May. Four kids made a house a home, and a love for Jesus kept them strong. Now every morning at 8 a.m., Jimmy takes a drive through town. He, sp- he spends his days at Mary's side. <clears throat> in a home for the old and broken down. Ah, I hate this. That's what music does. And when you worship, that should be the same attitude you have when you worship and you see the lyrics. And man, that's what I want to say. It touches my spirit. Maybe I'll read the rest of them later. We'll get through them. We connect to God through our time of worship. Every Sunday school class, every Wednesday night class is designed to teach children and adults God's word which enables them to connect with God on their own. That's why we don't teach anything else other than God's word. Worship time is, is us expressing our love for God. And sermons and lessons are God's time to speak to us through his word. And occasionally God speaks to us through tongues and interpretation and prophecy. And generally those, generally, those words are words of encouragement designed to speak to the entire church or maybe to just one individual to meet, a t- meet something in their life they need to hear at that moment. And that's one theme, that's the Tuesday theme of the Assembly of God we're gonna press into this year. And along with everyone being more sensitive to this Holy Spirit, that includes being sensitive to being used in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, we've, we've taught on this on Wednesdays and Sundays that we believe these gifts are still available, right? The gifts of the Spirit, they didn't end. They're still available. And that means they should be available in our services. And we want to be a, a, a sensitive to that. We want to be used in that. Maybe God's choosing you to be used in that. And one of the things that it, it's nervous, hey, I, I get it, it's scary when God picks you to do something that's audible that everyone hears. You know what? Be sensitive to what God wants you to do. Maybe God wants you to say something in a a service that really speaks to the heart of somebody else who's here. We should experience those more often than we do. And I think God wants to do that. Church is supposed to be a time of rest from the world and refilling of God's spirit in us. We want our church to be one where people, when they walk in, they can connect with God. The second one is building people. Not only do we want people to connect with God, we want them to know that God uses people to accomplish his will. Billy Graham used to say, and it's true, God didn't say, go and make converts. It says, go and make disciples. It means you gotta teach them, train them. When you have a little baby, you don't let that baby go by himself and say, okay, make yourself something to eat. You feed him. Everything they need, you supply. That's what we as churches do. We want to supply everyone with what God has for them. Ephesians 4.11 says, He is the one who gave these gifts to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Why? Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ, until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature and fully grown in the Lord. Measuring up to the full stature of Christ. Our job is to teach you to do God's work. Because there's one of me and there's a hundred of you. When Jesus says to his disciples, you'll do these things and you'll do them greater. He didn't mean greater in power, he meant greater in numbers. Because there's one Jesus and there's 12 disciples and they multiplied and they're doing more and greater In number. I believe that God can use us in that same way. He uses people to meet the needs of other people. And the number one need of people is to know God's word. And not only know God's word, but how does it apply in life? Lifeway Research did a survey and they found this following. Which surprises me, but doesn't surprise me. It says 45% of regular church attenders read their Bibles more than once a week. That's good. About 40% read it occasionally, one or two times per month. Not good. 20%, these are churchgoers, 20% never read it. 67% of Americans believe heaven is real. and 45% of those Americans believe you can get there in a whole bunch of different ways. Which is not shocking, but this one is. 20% of Bible-believing Christians believe the same thing. Why? Because they don't know God's word. Once you have your working knowledge of God's word, then you're more apt to apply it to your life. If you know what God says, what's the old phrase, you know, if all else fails, read the instructions. We, we buy this stuff. You have to assemble, you know, put together these soda, whatever they are. those cabinets and stuff you got to put together, like IKEA stuff. Well, I've done that a couple of times without reading the instructions first. And what I have to do is wind up taking everything apart because I missed one thing to put in. So now I read the instructions first. God's Word is the instruction book. If you want to know how to live life, this is the instruction book. And everything you need, the Bible says, everything you need for life and godliness is in here. If you don't read it, don't expect God to work in your life. If I do everything for my kids and never let them do anything for themselves, I'd do a disservice to them. Even though I want to stand back and say, you know what, can I do that for you? You have to let them do it themselves so that they learn and then mature when they grow up and leave the home. If I never allow them to learn from themselves, they become ill-equipped to be an adult. James Dobson says it's better to build children than repair men. So when we teach kids, we want to teach them to love God from an early age so they don't make dumb mistakes like we did growing up. We want them to love God from the time that they can understand it. And they don't make any of these bad mistakes. They don't do anything stupid. And as a pastor, I do a disservice to you if I don't encourage you to be involved in what God's doing. You need to be doing it. And don't you want to experience it yourself? It's, you know, it's good to hear someone's testimony, but I want to, I want to... I want, it. I want something God doing in me. If I only hear someone else's testimony, it's like, okay, God, Where, how about me? Well, the way you do that is by reading God's word and being sensitive to the spirit of God in, in your life. We build people by teaching them God's word and we build them by getting them to apply what they know in their life. What do you know? What does the Bible tell you? James, The book of James says, look, If you don't do what you hear, you're only kidding yourself. James 2.14 says, Dear brothers and sisters, what's the use of saying you have faith if you don't prove it by your actions? That that kind of faith can't save anyone. Suppose you see a brother or sister who needs food or clothing and you say, Well, goodbye, God bless, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? The Bible says if we read it and we don't do it, it's like looking in a mirror and forgetting what you look like when you walk away. God uses us to meet the needs of other people. You want God to work in your life? You want to see miracles? Be open to what the Spirit wants you to do. Talk to someone. Meet someone's need. We study God's word not just to get information and knowledge. What's James say? We need wisdom. A lot of smart people out there that don't have any wisdom. Knowledge is information wisdom is the right application of that knowledge Knowledge is taking things apart wisdom is putting them back together again We study and teach it to prepare us to do it James 1 says remember it's a message to obey Not just listen to if you don't obey you're only fooling yourself If you know what God's Word says and you don't do it You're kidding yourself if you think God's going to work in your life. It is through the doing that we really build ourselves up in the faith. When you learn any sport, any any activity, you don't learn it just one time and you do it. You learn and you get better by doing it. I use driving as an experience. You, know, you, can learn, you can read every textbook there is on driving, but until you actually drive the car, you can't drive. And the more you drive it, the better you become, hopefully. Most people aren't satisfied to have others do everything for them. Even as a little preschool, you got little kids, they want to do it themselves, right? Let me do it. Let me do it. As much as you don't want to let them do it, you have to let them do it. They don't want you doing stuff for them. And on the other end of that spectrum, ask any senior citizen. They don't want you doing everything for them. I can do it myself. We have a chairlift out there. For those steep stairs. And I'm sure many of you would like to ride it. But no one ever rides it. Why? Because you can do it yourself. You can make those stairs yourself. You should have a God given desire to experience and do things for yourself. We shouldn't be satisfied with hearing about others who God uses. We should want to be the one that God uses. Any, any sports team member doesn't want to sit on the bench, their whole career is on the bench. That would be terrible they want to play they want to get on the field and play and that's how we should be as believers we should want to be on the field playing what god wants us to do our vision is designed to get people to want to experience god for themselves and then do themselves what god has equipped them to do and also means we can't keep living on what god did yesterday or last year Because building people never stops. You can always learn and do more. Not because we have to, but because we want to. And the last thing we do is we offer hope. Suffice it to say that Christianity is the only thing that can give each one of us true hope. People will let you down. Things will wear out. Situations will come and go, and if we have our hope in any of those situations, we'll be let down. I use the example of someone who lives for their job. That's their whole reason for being. It's that they get their identity from their job. And when they retire, what happens? They have no identity anymore. Everything that they put their hope and trust in is gone. Your hope and trust should not be in things or people or anyone else other than Christ. Has anyone ever been let down by somebody? Someone in your life let you down? I think that's pretty much a a staple. I don't plan to let you down, but I probably will. Your hope shouldn't be in me or in any preacher because inevitably we will drop the ball. I remember we moved to Florida this was 2005 flat screens were just becoming available they still had the big tube sets and so we went out and bought we our first tv we ever bought and we went to buy it was a at the time huge it was 32 inch tv and it was a you know big sony thing and it actually the box said 200 pounds it weighed 200 pounds and so we we bought this thing we could barely get it home my wife and I we dropped it getting it into the, the cabinet that it was going to be in, but it still worked, and it had a, a full- functioning remote. It was, it was awesome. You know where the thing is now? It's in the dump off a of, uh, toronita. And you know, we, we paid a ton of money for that thing, and it's gone. If you trust, you're hoping the things you have, they'll all be gone. At some point, they'll all be gone. And when your life comes to an end, they will definitely be gone. Things and money and power and people will never fulfill what they say they will fulfill. But God is always the same. He will never change, and his promises don't change. Psalm 146 says, but happy are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the one who made heavens and earth, the sea and everything in them. He is the one who keeps every promise forever. Now, when we talk to people, we should try and talk to them about the Lord at that moment. But if you can't, you can invite them to church. And we read the reason we invite them to church is they're not inviting them to a meeting. We're asking them to experience the hope and encouragement that we've already got. And the older we get, the more we realize that all the things we put our trust in have really not lived up to our expectations. We want to show them how to connect with God and have the hope that we have. Because when life pulls the rug out from under you and everything's gone, you still have Christ. He's the one that helps you through every situation. And trust me, more than once, the rug's going get pulled out from under you. If I had to explain vision to you in layman's terms, I'm going to steal an example that I read about a while ago. And it sums up the goals we have as a church. I want every baby who comes into this church to feel loved and welcomed and cared for. I want each baby to feel the love of Jesus through those who care for him or her. I want the children who come here to feel loved, cared for, and welcomed. I want their time here to be one that is written in their memories as a great time and a wonderful experience. My older kids still remember what they did in youth group. They remember the fun times they had. And we want it to matter that they're here. When they're 10 here and they're 30 somewhere else, Did it matter that they were here when they were 10 years old? Spiritually, did it matter to them? We wanted to stick with them no matter where they go. I want those children to look back one day and know that they met Jesus here. I want the teens to develop their relationship with Jesus through the time they spend with their friends and what they're able to learn and do here. Church is about family and friendship especially for teenagers, they come to hang with their friends. But during the time that they hang with their friends, we want them to be introduced to Jesus. We want them to be drawn to the to cross so that when they're 30, they can look back in the time that they were in youth group and remember it fondly. And it mattered to them spiritually that they were here. I want every teen to feel loved and welcomed as a part of the family. They're not, teens and kids are not meant to be pushed to the side. They're, they're the church. I want them to build a foundation of faith that carries them into adulthood. And I want every adult, young or old, single or married to feel loved and accepted for who they are, but God will not keep you where you are. God wants anyone and everyone to walk in these doors. But God is a God of love, he won't leave you where you are. I want them to feel welcome in God's house and I want them to experience God for themselves. I want them to come and learn about Jesus and then use what they learn to help others along the way. And I want this church to grow and be an influence in our community. And the more I believe I bring this to our attention, the more we're gonna be aware of it. And when we're out, this thing's hopefully gonna come back to your mind. So we can ask ourselves a question, do you connect with God? Am I growing? Am I being built up? Am I offering the hope that I have to other people? Or am I experiencing hope in my own life? Maybe you need hope in your own life. Our desire and vision that each person here does all three, that we have all three of those. That we connect, connect with God. We connect others with God. We build ourselves up. We build others up. We have hope ourselves. We offer hope to other people. You can't give what you don't have. How we accomplish that is by doing what the theme is for today. The Assembly of God theme for today is consistently. And this, the subtitle was asking God to help us to be faithful in prayer. Now, I mentioned earlier we've got some things facing our church, particularly. In the week of prayer, we're going to be focusing on these things. Most important is the salvation of the loves of the people that we love on your 10 most wanted list, and maybe you got more than 10. You want, we want healings and gifts of the Spirit to be in operation in our church. We want to be sensitive to the move of the Spirit in every service. And on a more practical basis, the property that we have. And you know what's all going on with that. God's got to be in charge of all of this. But we got to pray. That's why we're fasting and praying for God to work. Because all these things don't happen because we do it. They happen because we pray and God does it. I'm gonna close with this example. Now I'm reading, I'm going through Matthew right now, studying it. You ever come to a passage and it just like, it just stops you? It's like, I've read this 50 times, but now it's speaking to me. Well, this one kind of spoke to me the other day. Matthew 15, 21. It says, Jesus then left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon, A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. For my daughter has a demon in her and is severely tormenting her. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to leave, they said. She's bothering us with all her begging. Then he said to the woman, I was only sent to help the people of Israel, God's lost sheep, not the Gentiles. But she came and worshiped him again, pleading, Lord, help me. It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs, Jesus says. Yes, Lord, she replied, but even dogs are permitted to eat crumbs that fall beneath the master's table. Woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great, your request is granted, and, your daughter was inst- and her daughter was instantly healed. Now, that could be a, obviously a whole sermon in itself, but I'm gonna condense it a little bit. Woman's a Gentile. She's approaching Jesus on Jewish ground. She called him son of David. That's a Jewish title. She's trying to approach him in a way that she couldn't. She's a Gentile. And what did Jesus do? He ignored her. He wanted to see if she would continue to ask. The guys around her wanted her to quit and go away. The enemy wants you to quit and go away when Jesus doesn't answer you right away. Now, Jesus wasn't playing games with this woman. He's trying to make the situation more difficult for her. Why? Because he was drawing out of her her faith. When you exercise and you lift weights, you continue to put more and more on as you do it. Why? Because the more difficult it is, the more you grow. He used the illustration of dogs, and she grasped onto that. And use that to kind of rebut him. One commentary phrased it this way It is true that we Gentiles do not sit at the table as children and eat the, and eat the bread. In other words, they're not Jewish. But even the pet dogs under the table can eat some of the crumbs. The point is, in making things more difficult, he wanted to see if she persisted in trusting him, even though everything was against her. She wasn't Jewish. She was a woman who didn't approach rabbis at that time. The disciples were against her, and she might have even thought Jesus was against her when he didn't answer. God may make things more difficult in your lives to see if you have the faith to keep asking. Last year was tough on a lot of people. Maybe prayers weren't answered how and when you wanted them to be answered. Does that mean, you, okay, I'm going to stop praying for that? We have people on that crossover that we've been praying for for years. You're going to stop praying for them? Or is Jesus making it difficult to see if you're going to persist? You're going to keep trusting. You're going to pray, and you're going to believe that God wants to do it. Property. We basically have no control over it. What the state wants to do. God does. And if God gave us that property 30 years ago, it's God's property, God's going to do something. But not if we don't ask Him to do it. What's the Bible says, You have not because you ask not. And when you ask, you ask wrongly. Well, we're going to ask God to do something. I don't know what He wants to do, but I know God wants to grow. He wants to bless us, he gave us that property basically for a song, well, what else is God gonna do? We talked about that grocery store down there, across from Hawaii, that empty one's been empty for 15, 20 years, 1.7 million is what they want for it. And I called the realtor, he says it's under contract. But God, what God can do, I don't know what God's gonna do, but we're gonna commit that property to him Say, Lord, this is your property. You know what we need. You know what is coming in the future. So, Father, we want you to intervene. And we're gonna persist in doing that. And we're gonna see miracles of what God's gonna do. And if God can do that for property, which really doesn't mean anything, in the end, can we trust God to use us to get people to come to know Christ? Let's see if I can finish the rest of the song lyrics. With a cane in his lap and a Bible in his hand, he reads her stories about the promised land. And with tears in their eyes, they dream of a place where everything changes in the light of Jesus' face. That's paradise. When life breaks through and the old's made new and the joy will never die, that's paradise. And it goes on and says... In another corner of this world, I met another man named Jim. Told me how 20 years of running from God had finally gotten the best of him. He said, all hope is gone, and he wanted to die. Because what could God do with such a messed up guy? So we talked about Jesus, God's love, and his plan. And when Jim walked away, he was a brand new man. God wants to save people. Rapture hasn't happened yet. When we sing, If You're Not Dead, then God's Not Done. We got work to do. Our work is to trust Him who wants to do the work. We're praying, we're fasting. And we're trusting that God is going to do great things. And the greatest thing that God can do is save people. Greatest miracle. Because that's eternity. God may heal you, but that's only for now. Because eventually we're all going to be in heaven. But eternity is what matters. And that's what God has commissioned this church to do. To be about God's business. And we can't do it just by doing it in our flesh. We have to pray, and we're going to deny ourselves. What's the Bible say? Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. So we're going to deny ourselves food, and I think all of us can afford to do that. And we're going to trust God that he's going to meet the need that we have. Whatever that might be. But I believe that God wants us to connect to people. He wants us to build people up in the faith. And he wants to offer hope to the people like this woman who needed Jesus to do something. That's our commission. That's our reason for being. Now in the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how we do that. With those, that's our plan of attack. Would you stand as we close this morning? you bow your heads with me for a moment? And we ask this every service because we don't want to assume that just because you're in church, you automatically know Jesus. Because there's a lot of people sitting in churches that don't know Christ. So if you're here and you've never really accepted Christ or you've never really seen Jesus do any work in your life, probably because you haven't really reached out to him. As the song lyrics say, we talk about Jesus, his love and his plan. And when Jim walked away, he was a brand new man. God can make you a brand new person. God can change your whole attitude, your whole mind. The light bulb can go off in your head and say, you know what, I get it. I get it. But the only way you can really get it is to come to Christ and say, you know, Lord, I'm a sinner and I know there's nothing good in me. And the Bible says that the wages of those sin is death and that's the separation from God. You choose to be separate from God now, God allows you to keep that choice after you die. You don't want to be with God now, he's not gonna let you be with him then. But the Bible also says the gift of God is eternal life through, through Jesus. And there's a difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. Everyone knows about Jesus at some point. They heard the name. They may know what he teaches. They may know what he thinks. But they don't, they don't have a relationship with him. And the Bible says as many as receive him, Did he give the authority to be called children of God? You have to receive Christ. You can't automatically be God's kid and not receive Christ. You don't automatically go to heaven because you're born. You go to heaven because you have a relationship with Christ. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved because it's with your mouth that you confess and it's with your heart that you believe that makes you a believer, and it changes your life. If that's you and you want that new life, you want that whatever we're talking about, you don't quite get. Trust me when I say, the minute you do that, your whole mindset will change. You won't know much about anything, but you'll have the desire and the want to. You'll wanna know more. You'll be starving for things of God. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand right now. We're going to pray for you and trust you to the God of heaven. Father, we thank you as this new year begins. We thank you for the fresh renewing that we are trusting you for. As we pray and believe for great things, it's not because we're anybody, Lord. We're simply obeying your word. We're pressing into you. We're asking for a fresh anointing every day. We're asking for the gifts of the Spirit to be in operation for us to be sensitive to what you want to do through us. And as we deny ourselves these simple meals, help us to be sensitive to what you're telling us as we read and pray. We are praying, Lord, for the property. We are praying, Lord, to bring people to know Christ. All those folks in our in our family, in our sphere of influence, that we are able to talk to you about Jesus. We pray that you would open their hearts, prepare them to receive the gospel, send people their way, send us their way, send situations all designed to point them and direct them to you. And allow us to be sensitive to when that happens that we are there to introduce them to you. Father, we love you and we're so thankful for all you've done for us, Lord. We look at our lives and we realize we have been blessed more than we deserve we look at the rest of the world living in poverty and persecution who love you just as much as we do but they have nothing so father we don't, we don't take any credit for what we have we just know it's your grace and we thank you we don't deserve it but we thank you for it now lord I pray as we leave today help us to be newly anointed excited for what you're going to do revived for what you want to do this new year We believe that this year is going to be an awesome year for your kingdom. But it requires all of us to be involved. So, Lord, I pray your anointing and blessing upon us as we leave and prepare us for what you have to do this year in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 God bless you. Have a great week. See you Wednesday. Hmm? Yeah, 6 o'clock tonight. Prayer, 6.30, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And we're going to meet every Thursday this month after this first week is over. Instead of it second and fourth, we're gonna meet every Thursday to pray same same thing for the what we're praying for.